With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Fortitude Training Podcast. This is your host, Coach Ren. I am glad to be back with you today. We are going to have a fun fitness topic that I just love to rant on about. So I hope you get something out of it and you find it uh, just maybe at least half of as interesting as I do. And first, I want to just remind you all that I am on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube, and I am putting out content daily now, a lot of things about mental health and how Weight training and physical activity in general can be such a huge part of healing and managing things like trauma and depression. And I'm putting out a lot of stuff still about fitness as well. So if those things interest you, resonate with you, you want to learn some stuff about them, please go check me out. I am at Coach Ren FTS on Instagram and Fortitude Training Systems on both YouTube and Facebook. Although I will inform you, I've been locked out of my Facebook for a few weeks now, but there's still a lot of great content on that, and I'm hoping to be back up and running on that very soon. And then also, this is brought to you by On Track Physical Therapy and Functional Training. On Track is a small gym in Essex Junction, Vermont. We do small group training, one on one training. And physical therapy, of course. If you live in the area and you want to come check it out, it is a great place. We have a great community of people here, and we are very proud of it. We look at exercise as medicine, and we focus more on helping you feel better and improve your health, however that or whatever that means to you. So check us out on trackhealth.net. You can find our small group training schedule on there and you can even book yourself a class or buy a package. So check us out. Come check out a free functional movement screen that you can do with us to get yourself started today. Okay, so today we are starting or sorry, we are talking about if your training is functional or not. Functional training became a bit of a buzzword back in the 90s where a lot a lot of the fitness industry moved into to making your fitness and the things that you do in the gym or in your training as functional as possible, meaning that it transferred to things you you do in everyday life as much as possible. And this is a great concept. I think it's a great concept. I think it's good to try to train somewhat specifically, or at least as specifically as you can, in order to just be more capable and stronger for your everyday life. That's really 
that's really why we do it. You know, there's obviously there's other goals as well in, in fitness, whether it's athletic related or maybe uh, a weight loss related or something along those lines. But for a lot of people using fitness it is really for uh, enhancing one's life. And I think that gets overshadowed a lot, but the idea of functional training is a great one. However, unfortunately, like a lot of things in the fitness industry, it tends to go off the rails. There's no shortage of this. And while it was certainly before a lot of social media and whatnot, it's still the functional training movement went in kind of a crazy direction and it started to morph into something that no longer the, the, the term functional training no longer had any meaning, really. People were doing all sorts of crazy things in the gym. They were standing on top of BOSU balls and doing bicep curls, which I, I still, to this day, I, I have no idea how that transfers into everyday life, how, how that is functional. Uh, and, and all sorts of different assortments of crazy exercises uh, being done that just really, it, 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 you start to question what exactly is this helping you prepare for? What is it really doing for you? How is it really benefiting you? And so I still firmly believe that training should be functional. That's why I have some of the philosophies that I do when it comes to training. And we'll get into those a little deeper later on. But I think that it is so easy to start going down a rabbit hole and, and getting off the rails to just doing things for the sake of variety or, or just because it looks cool and it gets you some likes on Instagram or something like that, uh, that, that can be easy to do. I will concede though, that pretty much, you know, most things that you do can be deemed functional, but it has to be within the right context. So if you're training, if you're training for a specific sport, for example, if you're training, well, if you're training for powerlifting, let's say, okay, so you're training to get as strong as possible in the squat, bench and deadlift. Well, you're going to have to squat, bench and deadlift. This might be one of the only times, one of the few times that you're actually directly training and, and getting and your your training is functional for the goal that you're trying to achieve. So that that would be one example. There's of course many others, but let's take like a team sport or just a any kind of sport, for example. So let's say tennis or football. So for tennis, you're gonna have your general training. So we're gonna talk about a concept called general physical preparedness or GPP. So you have your general training or GPP, and that is going to be things like running, doing agility work, weightlifting, all those things to get yourself generally in better condition, better shape. So for tennis, you know, you're going to do a lot of those things, but then the most specific thing that you can do is swing your racket learn how to hit the ball properly, learn to place the ball in areas that you intend to, whatever it is. I'm not a huge tennis guy, but those would be 
Those are the skills that you practice in order to get good at tennis. A squat isn't going to do that. However, it will help condition your body to handle all of the impact and everything that is involved with such a sport. So it's a, it, it will generally speaking, have you more prepared to do things like that. And then similarly, like for football, like if you're playing football, then you have to, you know, weight training is going to be really important because you're going to want to add some extra muscle mass, but you're also going to need to practice things like if you're a quarterback, how to throw the ball most effectively where, you know, how to place the ball in certain spots for your receiver to catch it. You're going to have to learn how to tackle. You're going to have to learn how to carry the ball properly, whatever it may be. So there's very specific things. So, so like, for example, if we're talking about functional training, and we're talking about how it got it just went totally off the rails back in the late 90s, early 2000s. You might have gone into the gym and seen somebody holding a heavy dumbbell and trying to swing it around like it was a football in their hand. This is not a good idea because a football does not weigh very much and you need to be you need to be capable of practicing proper throwing mechanics with a football, not with a dumbbell, because that's, that's just going to confuse your body and it's going to screw with your mechanics. So doing something along those lines can be actually counterproductive to, toward being functional for a specific sport. So yes, we need to make sure our training is functional, but if we try to directly mimic certain things, then it can actually work against us. It can, it can work against us in, again, throwing off our mechanics on certain things. Because, again, like a football is much lighter than the majority of weights that you might lift in, in a gym. But you can use weights. You can use weight training to help get your body better conditioned bigger, stronger, faster in order to be a better athlete in general. So that's, that's functional training. That's kind of how it went off the rails and what, uh, and and kind of what some of the limitations are of it. So training in essence, in the gym, whether you're an athlete or not is, is general physical preparedness again gpp and so we want to train in a way that yes is going to be is going to allow us to be more functional for our daily lives or our sport or whatever but again we don't want to get too specific so one of my philosophies has been for a long time is to try to use exercises that are going to have the most carryover possible to everyday living or sports. And that's going to look different for depending on a person's goals. So for example, I have a lady that does figure skating. Her training looks a lot different than the people that come in and do my small group training program, because a lot of those people in the small groups, they are not training for something so specific. So this figure skater, she, you know, she needs help with her balance. She's 
over 70 years old and she just got into this a few years ago, which is pretty awesome. But she has one ankle that she's rolled many times and that's a problem and her balance isn't great, especially being on one leg and having to lean forward in a single leg RDL type of position. That's very difficult. And so we've come a long way, but that's a very, very specific thing, kind of like the examples I gave earlier. So her training looks a lot different from the people that are in my small group program because the small group program is more of a general fitness plan. It's not tailored to the individual. It is to a certain extent, but I digress. So I use exercises that are going to have the most carryover possible, but they're not going to be the most specific. So I'm trying to condition your body to be stronger, to be more resilient, to allow you to be more capable in your daily life and just to be healthier and feel better. And so I use a lot of things that have a lot of carryover in a lot of different areas. So what are these movements? What is it that we're talking about? So I've talked in the past on the podcast about using specific movements, and some of these have had their own episodes. You can go back and listen to some of those. But I use free weights. So free weights, meaning things like dumbbells, a.k.a. hand weights. A lot of people call them hand weights. Barbells, kettlebells, bodyweight exercises, and so forth. So these are things that don't require machines, but they just require some external resistance of some kind, whether that be bands or bars or so forth. So the the reason that I use these predominantly is because free weights put your or allow you to move in ways that you would naturally move out in the world. So no at no point do we ever sit down and extend our legs in front of us, straighten our knees, right? So a leg extension machine. Okay. I use this example all the time. A lot of people, a lot of people crap on the leg extension machine and you know, it has its place. I think machines have their place. Absolutely. You know, again, in the right context, they can be useful, but if you're looking just for better function, free weight training, body weight training is definitely the way to go. So compared to something like a squat, not a leg press, but standing on your own two feet and squatting, whether it's with a dumbbell or a bar on your back, whatever it is, that's going to have more carryover to everyday living than sitting down and doing leg extensions or even doing leg presses. But again, it's about context. And we're talking about GPP. We're talking about having the most carryover possible to everyday life, to just function, the functionality, actual functionality of the body. So squats, that's a great example. That's probably one of the top two or three most functional exercises that you can do because we squat all the time, constantly. Deadlifts, another great example, another really good exercise. Bench presses. Now that one, that one can be debatable. That one can be debatable in terms of its actual functionality because yes, when do we ever lay down on our back and push on something? However, it does have a lot of strength carry over for the upper body. It is very useful for building 
lots of strength in the upper body. So I like the bench press. Overhead press, more functional, because again, you're standing up on your two feet. You're pressing something over your head, which is something that we will regularly do all the time. So those are some of the big ones. And then there's, of course, the dumbbell and kettlebell versions of those exercises. And kettlebell swings. I talk about kettlebell training in one of my earlier episodes. The kettlebell swing has carryover to a lot of different things because it works the muscles of the hips. It works explosive power because you're having to drive the kettlebell up using your hips as if you're jumping and it, it, it also works the grip. Having strong grip is great for just about anything that you do in life. So kettlebell swings are a good one. And then also the Turkish get-up. The Turkish get-up, again, kind of like the bench press, could definitely be debatable in terms of its actual functionality. But hey, getting up, doing all the different steps of a Turkish get-up is highly beneficial. So yes, this one isn't, you know, might seem like it's a little out there. Yes, I will concede that. But I will say the amount of shoulder stability, core stability, and the functionality of being able to get yourself from a lying position to a standing position under load with weight on your body has a ton of carryover. So yes, it might not look like an actual way someone would stand up. You could do it. You could absolutely do it. But the way it loads and trains so many different aspects of the way the body works is, is huge. And so I think, I think anybody that can do get-ups should do get-ups, whether it's loaded or not. I actually have been doing a fair amount of unloaded get-ups with people that just lack the shoulder mobility and stability to, to hold a weight over their head. So some of, the, some of those kettlebell exercises are really great for general physical preparedness. And then you can get into other things like single leg exercises, lunges, split squats, single leg RDLs. Hip thrusts might have some carryover as well. I don't do those as much, but there's there's probably an argument to be made for a lot of things, but the exercises I just mentioned before have probably the most benefits. So single leg exercises, and, and then you include the squat, bench, deadlift, overhead press, kettlebell work, and then body weight work, push-ups, classic. Push-ups are great. Again, building upper body strength and core stability as well. The ability to push yourself off the floor. Chin-ups, pull-ups, great ones. Yes, uh, hard for a lot of people to do. So using some assistance to, to work up to it. Another great one. All right, sit-ups. Uh, one that has kind of lost favor over the years, but still beneficial being able to sit up off the floor. So there, there's a lot of different things, but... I try to keep it simple. I try to keep it somewhat watered down so that we're mastering the movements that have the most carryover. So we're getting really, really good at a handful of exercises that will then transfer to other exercises and just other things that you're going to do, other daily tasks that you do 
at home, whether it's doing yard work or moving furniture around the house or helping, helping a friend lift something or carry something, playing with your kids, grandkids, picking them up, running around, chasing them. You know, these are the things that I'm preparing people for. And these are the things that are going to, that are going to appeal to most people that maybe have lost a step or or have experienced some, I don't know, regression in their physical abilities. So you contrast these things, you contrast these exercises that I've gone over with some of the more functional things, okay? And I don't have the the most examples, but but again, standing on a ball, standing on a half ball called a BOSU and doing bicep curls, not very functional. You know, I'm, I, I would probably, I would argue as well, like standing on a BOSU ball and squatting, not, not really that functional. We'd never really stand on surfaces like that and squat. So, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't really recommend that. Uh, again, it, it really depends on context. So I'd have to, you know, I'd have to know the person's situation and goals in order to justify something like that. But there's certainly things that I would prioritize first and then doing other things like, I don't know, single leg medicine ball slams or something along those lines or just anything where it just looks so far away from things that we actually do day to day that it's that it's just it's pretty much pointless. So try sticking to these more basic exercises, you know, keep Keep in mind that these are the things that we actually do. We pick things up, we squat, we push things, we pull things, we carry things. We do, you know, carries are another fantastic classification of exercises, another group of exercises that have tremendous carryover. Doing things like farmer's walks, just picking up a couple of dumbbells and just walking with them. I mean, you can't get much more functional than that. You can't get much more basic than that. But hey, carrying the groceries into the house or carrying a duffel bag, things like suitcase carries where you're loaded on one side and your core has to work in in order to keep your posture in a good position. Doing overhead carries. If you have to press something over your head and carry it over your head a certain distance. So carries another great basic, but very functional exercise that will help people just get around and do the things that they need to do. Now, how do we make our training as functional as possible? What, how do we structure it in a way that makes sense? What do we do? So we have these exercises that are the most functional in actuality. They were the most functional. And of course, I do still use things that are maybe not the most functional, but the majority of the time and energy that I put into the programming are the things that I talked about. So machines wouldn't make up the foundation of a program for somebody or a ton of crazy voodoo non-functional stuff that's just labeled that way wouldn't take up any space really maybe maybe just a fraction if it's something that maybe is specific for somebody 
that needs it. So really, again, it comes back to what your goals are, what you're trying to get out of your training. So if you're trying to just generally get stronger, for example, you know, a, a goal or an outcome that we've talked about quite a bit already, then you're going to need to use a bit of a variety of rep ranges, set and rep ranges. But specifically when it comes to building strength, then your rep ranges in the area of one to five reps at a time to build strength. And then you do about three to five sets. And that's how you build strength. You know, longer rest periods, especially as you start getting more experienced, you're going to need to rest three to five minutes between sets when you do some really heavy, high intensity sets. So, for example, if you're doing back squats and you're going heavy and you're up around a RPE of eight or more, then you're going to need long rest periods in between those sets. RPE stands for rating of perceived exertion. So at the end of a set, if it feels like you had three more reps in the tank, then that would be an RPE of seven. It's 10 minus however many reps you feel like you had in you at the end of the set. So if you really start pushing the envelope and you're up to eight or nine on an RP, you know, RPE scale, then you're going to need long rest periods. Can't overstate that enough. So sets, reps, rest periods, and then you're going to want to train in that specific strength you're going to need to train anywhere from two to four times a week doing this style of training. And it's a lot on the body. So, and it really depends on your schedule and your ability to recover and everything from the workouts. And so the, the order of exercises. So we start off with the exercise that usually produces the most stress and fatigue to the body. So, for example, a deadlift is going to produce a lot more stress on the body than a single leg deadlift or sit-ups or even push-ups. So we would lead with that after the warm-up. So you start off with whatever main movement. So main movements are the ones that create the most stress. So that would be, again, a squat, bench press, deadlift, overhead press, and then you would kind of go down from there. You would go to other exercises like things that assist in building the bigger ones. So, you know, your bent over rows or your tricep work or core work, anything like that would come later in the workout. So let's say you were going to do like three days a week of training. So each day you would have a main lift, okay? So let's say you have the squat on one day. That's your focus for that day. <clears throat> and then the second day of the week, you would bench press or maybe overhead press. And then the third day, you would focus on the deadlift for your main lift. And so after you do this main lift, so let's take the first day with the squat. Then you would incorporate perhaps some sort of assistance work for the squat. So 
that that could be a variation of the squat, like a pause squat or something like that. That could also be a variation of the deadlift later in the week. So like a RDL or Romanian deadlift. It could be some really heavy kettlebell swings because that's going to be stressful on the body as well. The, the weight, if it's heavy enough, you're going to be producing a good amount of stress. You could then incorporate Turkish get-ups into that first day. And then finish off with a carry variation and maybe some core work, like some rollouts and farmer's carries. On the second day, when you're focusing on the bench press, you can also follow that up with the overhead press. Or you can flip those, whichever one you want to prioritize. If you're a power lifter, then you may want to lead with the bench press and then follow up with the overhead press. And then finish it off with some back work, like some rows some arm work, tricep work, and then maybe another carry variation. And then the final day with the deadlift, you follow that up with perhaps some single leg work, like some split squats or lunges, and then follow that up. This is kind of more of a total body day. So you have pull-ups, maybe a swing variation after that, single arm swings, two-handed swings, and then either some more core work or another carry, like an overhead carry, perhaps. So right there, you got a pretty good variety of different things. You got some body weight exercises in there. You got some kettlebell exercises that have a lot of carryover to a lot of different things. And then you have your main lifts and some assistance lifts. You got single leg work. You got bilateral work like the squat. There's a lot of different things in there that cover a lot of different aspects of strength and overall fitness. So you can also add in finishers to these exercises, something cardio based at the end, like a circuit of core work or a a circuit of carries at the very end, Uh, some, some cardio, just like some, some walking or jogging as well, or you can incorporate those on separate days. If you're someone that needs to, to run that, well, you know, I think a lot of people should be running, but. That would cover a lot of different things. And these, again, these are simple exercises. These are things that carry over to a lot of different things and prepare you generally for most things that are going to come your way in life. So I hope that that helps. I hope that that makes some sense and, and helps you to get some focus in a world where there are literally thousands and thousands of different exercises that we can utilize, that we can perform, these ones are the the top ones. I mean, the, there's so many different pieces of equipment and variations of exercises out there. It's hard to know where to start sometimes, but this is my suggestion to you. All of the, these exercises, these workouts that I just laid out, this, this is, you'll get really far with this. You'll be able to make a lot of progress, you know, over time. You just keep adding a little bit of weight or you try pushing yourself by adding some more reps. You know, if you're, again, if you're building strength, that one to five range for those main lifts specifically, squat, bench, deadlift, overhead press, those ones are going to benefit you the most in terms of overall strength 
And so doing that lower rep range after you've been experienced for a little while will do you some real good. But, you know, using a variety of rep ranges is also good. So like a muscular, from a muscular endurance standpoint, some higher rep ranges, 8, 12, 15, even 20 in some cases, those rep ranges I would definitely use more often for things like assistance work, like RDLs, split squats, carries, core work, rows, you know, th- those things that don't require as heavy a weight, but you know, squats can be done that way too. If you're looking to build muscle, especially doing high rep squats, that, that's going to build you muscle, not just in your legs, but your whole body. You know, your whole body responds to heavy weightlifting, not just the direct muscles that are being used. That's an interesting concept that not a lot of people know about, but you don't necessarily have to do bicep curls to grow your biceps. You know, you can do other things and they will grow. But that's from a a muscle building standpoint. So, you know, again, use a variety of rep ranges. Strength is going to benefit. You're going to benefit and get more strength gains from the lower rep ranges, but then more muscular endurance. You know, if you're somebody that does a lot of repetitive stuff in your life, then you might want to prioritize that. But use them all. Use them all. Build strength. Build muscular endurance. Mix them up. And hey, if you are looking for a place to start, I just recently came out with a program called the Fortitude Foundation. Now, this is a two-month training program that is going to use a lot of these same things that I just talked about. It's a it's a little it's actually a little more watered down than this because I tried to make it as accessible to as many people as possible. So you don't technically even need a gym for it, but it's two months of strength training twice a week. And I put a lot of time into putting together the program itself. I did exercise video demonstrations for each and every exercise that you do. I have everything laid out, how to do it in a document that I will send to you if you are interested. You can feel free to reach out to me on Instagram at Coach Ren FTS. You can DM me there and inquire about the program, and I will get back to you and we can figure out uh, if it's the right fit for you. But yeah, that that would be a great place to start because it uses a lot of the same things that I just talked about. So uh, look into that. Give me a shout if you are interested in that program, Fortitude Foundation. Check it out. So, folks, I hope you enjoyed this. I hope uh, that it helped and that we, I mean, we covered something that maybe inspired you a little bit and took away some of the the guesswork. Because again, there's you know, there's a lot of it. There's a lot of people trying to do all this stuff on their own, and it can just seem so insurmountable, so overwhelming. So. Again, reach out if you have any questions. You can also reach me at ren at ontrackhealth.net. You can email me there. Email me about the Fortitude Foundation program or just any questions that you have related to this podcast episode. So I am happy to be sharing this information with you and I hope you folks enjoyed it. And as always, get strong, live long.
Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.